Hey there world, welcome to Sinister Soup, a podcast where we explore genre fiction through the lens of film, literature, and ridiculous conversation. I am one of your co-hosts, Clay Vermolum. And I, always the secondary, little sibling, Travis Vermolum. Is all is also a co-host. He's he be co-hosting. We're well, doing it. Say that explicitly. <laughs> no, you did not. But I, I think that's okay. I think they get it. We're gonna we're gonna get into it. Uh, Travis was the creator of this first segment. So why don't you tell us about it, Trav? Yeah, our first segment is a little segment we like to call "Bring Some Culture," and in this segment, we will. Every week, try and kind of explore out something that maybe isn't under the radar per se, but definitely we think deserves to be recognized a little more by the general public. And we just hope that we can bring artists and different mediums of art or cultural reflection to the forefront for any viewers we have to check out. So that brings me to my first culture of the week, which is going to be something I actually just learned about yesterday, Clay. Um, and it is this web serial author named Wildbow. He goes by Wildbow. I believe his name is actually John C. McRae. Um, and he's written several web serial stories that are completely free online. Um, you can pay him through his Patreon if you want to donate to his like sort of well-being as an author. But they sound super interesting. I have just started the first one called worm and it is a unconventional superpower story with a blend of sort of like science fiction horror and even a little bit of like fantasy mixed in there as well Mm -hmm. um uh it follows an introverted teenage girl with an unconventional superpower um trying to escape from a deeply unhappy and frustrated civilian life the person who kind of introduced me to these told me that he writes against a lot of superhero tropes, uh, tries to like take a different view of the parahuman life and show a society that um, treats them differently than maybe we've seen in like the conventional stories of Marvel and such. He, the author has written five of these web series, web serials, and they're all free on his word, uh, WordPress. So he has worm, packed, pale twig, and ward. Yeah, that's my culture of the week is to check out this web serial author who goes by the name of Wild Bow. How do you spell that? Is it bow like a tree bow, bow like an arrow? Wild bow, like an arrow. Okay, cool. That sounds pretty awesome. I mean, any anytime you can find quality uh, trope subverting genre fiction i'm all for that yeah i mean it's always superheroes are so fun but man it gets old to just hear the same stuff over and over again yeah it really does and like something new and something niche is always fun too i feel like it's kind of how i felt with like in so many different D campaigns of when you find this small thing that has a really really passionate following that can be so great because if I'm like walking through a crowded store and I see somebody with a shirt of this like web serial that I've been reading, I'm going to immediately be like, you read, you read word wild bow. Oh no, no way, man. <laughs> like run up and, you know. Yeah, definitely. And, it, and I mean, that's one of the most powerful and important things about storytelling in our society and historically. And even today, you know, that stories have always been something that brings people together And that's what makes them more important than just making things up, you know? It it definitely transcends that. It's an essential part of being a human, to tell and share in stories and share in imagination, you know? And in that way, it's it's so much more important than just having fun or just creating things. But that's also a great part of it, too, you know? Yeah, it is. Uh, And, I mean, that sharing part is exactly why we're doing this segment, so... Mm-hmm. That is my first share of the week is Wild Bow. Check him out. Awesome. Yeah, and I always love to read authors who are building unique platforms because, you know, I'm trying to do the same thing. So any kind of inspiration I can get from 
others who are doing it successfully, that's always something awesome to check out. So I'm definitely going to go check out some wild bow. So what is your culture of the week, Clay? Yeah, mine isn't necessarily artistic. This company called Othalo. Have you ever heard of them? No, I have not. Um, they are a company that is actually partnered with UN Habitat, which is the branch of the UN dedicated to uh, environmental protection and uh, sustainable uh, low footprint like housing and stuff, especially in countries where they really struggle to have housing in general, but especially like sustainable and realistic housing, uh, affordable housing, you know. This company, Atholo, their mission is to take plastic uh, out of like the plastic islands that are floating in the ocean and stuff and to repurpose that plastic into houses. Um, there's lots oh, of companies wow. doing that. Um, but these guys are a startup that are partnered again with the with the actual UN. I'm a lot more outside focused these days and it's kind of been a bigger issue for me, especially with the pandemic, man. I mean, with everything having to become disposable again, that's like, yeah. that's terrible. You know, we were just starting to like make all these moves towards like all these companies were coming out with like, hey, uh, here's a fork that you can carry around with you, you know? Like, uh, we're not using plastic straws anymore and stuff like that. And then COVID happened, and now it's like literally everything has to be plastic wrapped. It has to be not touched by anybody else ever. And once you use it, you have mm -hmm. to throw it away. And it's like, yeah. come on. That's, yeah. Like, any progress that was made was completely undone by this. Yeah. Um, And, you know, you can say what you want about, like, environmental agencies there's a lot of shady ones out there uh there's a lot of ones not doing what they're supposed to do or what they say they do and that's that's with anything that becomes a business you know yeah, yeah. um that becomes or something that p becomes political which again like we don't want this podcast to be at all political uh so i'm simply trying to say completely not politically completely not motivated by any sort of money or commerce um just the facts are facts too much plastic getting thrown out in the world is a bad thing yeah, and if we yeah. can take that waste and turn it into homes for people who don't have homes i think that's a pretty awesome mission and something that i would like to shine a light on so athalo and the un habitat partnership with athalo is my my culture of the week yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, anytime you're able to like repurpose something for that great of a cause is something to get behind. So that's that's the first example of our Bring Some Culture segment. Um, it's like we say, it's not always going to be artistically focused because culture, culture is everything. You know, it's everything that makes humans humans and societies mm -hmm. societies. Um, housing is just as much a part of that as, as music is or as writing is. And I think it's important to remember all that. Indeed, I agree. Um, but yeah, now without further ado, we'll get to the uh, genre fiction exploration part of this podcast, which is the main focus of it. Um, and we're going to do that in this segment with some movie and literature analytics. Um, it's always been among our favorite activities to debate movies, debate stories, debate books. Uh, what makes them work? What makes them good? What makes them not good? Um, yeah, I mean, we've been doing this since we were children, so we're going to bring it to the podcast. I guess we don't really have a catchy title for this segment yet. It's just kind of like don't. the story analysis section. Yeah, maybe we'll think of a title later, but... yeah. Or maybe you will, listeners, if you have any good suggestions for what to call this segment after you've heard it, uh, let us know in the comments, and we're open to any and all suggestions and feedback. For now, the way that this is going to work is it's going to be a bit of a ranty, debatey section, so we're going to time ourselves. We're going to give ourselves a 10-minute timer. We're going to choose a movie uh, on which we can formulate a good, uh, well-researched, well-informed debate, either positive for it or negative against it. 
Um, and then we're going to roll d20s. Uh, the lower role will always have to play the role of arguing that the story is not a good one. Uh, if you roll the lower role, you have to argue as if you do not like the movie or book. Mm-hmm. You have anything else to add there, Travis? No, I mean, I was just going to reveal uh, what movie we are arguing this week. Do it. The ever-wonderful cult classic starring Brendan Fraser the mummy or if you roll the lower d20 the complete waste of time trash cookie cutter adventure story the mummy (laughs) starring washed up actor brendan (laughs) (laughs) and all those other performers that you never heard of again um yeah so let's uh let's roll eh all right, I got my 20. Here we go. 12. 8. All right. Oh, man. Here we go. How about the uh, the defense for this movie starts? Uh, so me with the higher yes. roll? Okay. That would be you. Yeah, I'll start. Uh, this movie's fantastic. Uh, it's as fun as its ride at Universal Studios, which is the best ride at Universal Studios, and I will fight anybody about that. Um, The Mummy is like the classic adventure story, you know? It was born from, like, the old literature, the the classic monster movies. The idea was kind of born from that, but they took it in the new generation to a much more, like, accessible and frankly a more entertaining level in my opinion um the mummy is a lot more powerful he's a lot more fun and even a little bit more relatable you know because he's doing what he does for love uh a love that conquers uh even death itself you know which is something we could all sort of hope to to find in our lives i think so in that way despite being a scourge upon the earth and you know a pretty evil fellow Emotep, he's he's got something we can all aspire to going on there. Um, it's got, you know, it's got really fun characters, lots of action. Uh, it's a great exploration into, like, uh, the world of old Egypt, which is uh, admittedly something that was pretty, pretty in in the late 90s. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But definitely, you know, it was in for a reason, and that's because Egypt is among the most marvelous and spectacular uh civilizations in human history so like who doesn't want to explore egypt you know ancient egypt is a is a mystical powerful part of human history that that never should be forgotten and never will so that exploration into that and that uh setting as a backdrop for a fantastic adventure story is just something i really enjoy those are all great points and i just want to start off by saying the ever-wonderful, absolutely fantastic actress, Rachel Wise, who did such works as The Constant Gardener, The Lobster, The Fountain, and The Favorite, had to start somewhere. <laughs> and that somewhere was this trash CGI mess of a Indiana Jones ripoff that tried to utilize an old classic horror movie monster to make it more sellable. And the result was awful it was awful it had some of the worst cgi i've ever seen in all of my viewing history of movies um it is very shoddily written the plot and pacing are way too quick way too discoherent or disassembled and incoherent brendan fraser does have charisma no person will ever deny that and if they do they're they're wrong. The man has got charisma, but that is not enough to hold up this mammoth of a plot hole on his shoulders. And again, Rachel Wise, great actress, but you know, you can only do so much with a script that you're given. And really, this thing is just not well put together. It is uh, a mess at best. Um, you have a lot of characters who are kind of pointless thrown in there for no reason. The four Americans who are just the most drastic 
stereotypes of Americans. Like you have all these shooting cowboys who just say yeehaw all the time and are literally only there to be killed by the mummy to make him more powerful. That's their only role. That's all they serve. They serve no other purpose other than to say yeehaw and die. <laughs> and that really, I, I don't like when pointless characters are in a story. Like if, if you write, write a character into something, they should have a purpose. And be, besides Rachel Wise and Brendan Fraser's uh, characters, no one else really has. Not e- I would even argue Evie's brother was, yeah, funny, a bit of comic relief. But did he have to be there? No, he didn't. Evie could have gotten the key by herself. She could have had that sort of arc without him. Um, everyone else is just a side character. The only character that I think I will argue, even though he seems pointless, should be there is Benny. But that's just because, you know, who doesn't love Benny? Benny's great. <laughs> um, and, until he's gone. <laughs> but really, I don't know. I don't know how you can defend this one. It's it's just an Indiana Jones ripoff with the mummy, which was a great monster back in the black and white age. Uh torn from that era and thrown in as this pseudo villain and what has it birthed it has birthed two sequels that were worse and a remake with tom cruise that somehow was even (laughs) worse so this was just the beginning of a domino tip of progression of awful Uh, death is just the beginning death is only the beginning i will <laughs> i would like to say that tell that to jet lee's tomb of the dragon empire and you know yeah take yeah that to the I'm, grave, I'm telling literally. it to you uh i think that your argument <laughs> is pretty much dead on its feet first of all i agree that the american characters are archetypical and stereotypical but archetypes and stereotypes well maybe not stereotypes but archetypes do serve a function in the story, and that is to personify and uh, generally to personify and sort of represent, uh, you know, ideas or concepts. And I think what the Americans represent is that, like, American idea of commercial greed um, that that they were seen as in the movie. You know, they, they are coming over there just, they're treasure hunters, they're... They're, uh, like you said, they have itchy trigger fingers, treasure hunters yelling yeehaw. They're just there to get the treasure. And they represent the consequences for doing that, you know? When you go into, when you go into something yeah, sacred, that. something that should be left alone, you know, like the Magi were there to keep this curse buried and, and keep it away from the world. Uh, Homnoptra in general is a place that the world would have been better to forget. Um, but people like this, the treasure seekers, they're always going to try to unearth it if they can get some commercial gain from it. So they're there to represent that in the story. Which, okay, and that's a message that I would have taken if our main character, American, didn't solve every one of his problems <laughs> by shooting it. <laughs> like, it would be it would be great message, like, oh, here's the counter, here's the foil to the consumerism culture that's going to awaken this demon just because it wants money but you don't have a foil because your main character literally solves all his problems by shooting it or hitting it I mean it he, he tries <laughs> but that actually doesn't work in the end and he has to rely nine times out of ten Rachel Wise would be dead like yeah she's the one who kind of uses like the actual history and that, but how, what is the way she's able to use that history and able to do her like correct research methods is because she has somebody with her who shoots everything. And but hits in it the end, stick. they could not have defeated Imhotep without the actual respect and knowledge of Egyptian culture that Evie brings to the table. And she is the counter to, she is the foil, she is the counter to that consumerist idea. She's the scholar, you know? She's the one that, uh, like I said, does respect it and does understand it. And that's why she's able to ultimately be the one who helps him defeat the evil. Mm. 
I think the focus is drawn way more though towards O'Connor. Um, I think you're really supposed to focus on him. And then in the end of the day, he is kind of just Indiana Jones. Like there is a research component to him. There is like a intelligent aspect to him, but it's just put on the wayside whenever the adventure starts and it's just jump, throw, shoot, be, be macho kind of. Yeah. Energy. I mean, like many adventures, this is essentially D and a D and D campaign in a movie. Right. So he's definitely the barbarian character. Like, but he's not like a dumb barbarian like the Americans are. He's an American that we're also supposed to kind of like empathize with a little bit. And a lot of that comes from he has already been to this place. He's already like seen the sand and the blood as he describes it from his uh, jail cell. Um, mm, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like he wouldn't be going back there if he didn't owe Evie the debt. Um, but I mean... I feel like she's kind of in a, a Samwise Gamgee situation, right? And that's time. It beer is the now week. time no for more debate beer of the week. The mummy. We're going beer, beer of the week here. Cracking a beer. Beer of the week. We're going to each bring a beer that we've never had, and we're going to try it on the air while we discuss what we actually think about the movie or book that we just analyzed. Um, my beer of the week is from a brewery called Gilgamesh. I chose it because mm. I love the Epic of Gilgamesh. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, that's a great story. It's a ha It's just their hazy IPA. I chose that because I hate IPAs, and I am on a quest to find an IPA that doesn't taste like gargling aspirin. I grant you luck. And well wishes in your journey to find non-hippie bathwater. <laughs> I hope I can. I hope that it's Gilgamesh. Um, let's find out. And I am drinking a Victory Whirlwind, which is a citrus wheat beer. I don't normally kind of doing the same thing as you. I'm not, as you know, I'm not a light beer fan. I am a, I'm a dark beer, Irish blood through and through. Um... But we're going to see if I like this citrus wheat. So let's crack it open, do some ASMR. Boom. All the good sounds there. Boom. All right. Take some, take some, our first sips. Mm. Mm. Um, well, what do you think? It tastes like I'm gargling an aspirin. <laughs> uh, yeah. mm -hmm. Mine tastes like somebody alcohol al made a mango into alcohol, and I'm not okay. Not so you it. would recommend your beer? <laughs> I would not recommend my beer, but if you are a fan of fruity tastes, mm -hmm. it's very smooth, very light. So if you like light very heavy on the citrus flavor then yeah i recommend this beer but for a guy like me who's gonna drink stouts and porters more often than not yeah i hey. probably have to say the same thing i i don't dislike this ipa i've actually it's better than a lot i've had in that it's not super bitter um but it still mm -hmm. tastes like hops um it's still a little bitter so I'd say if you don't really, if you don't like the bitterness of IPAs, but you kind of like that hoppy flavor, this is a good beer. Um, I'm going to be able to drink it. All right. And I think I'm right. even going to enjoy it overall, but it's still not like, it's not going to fulfill the IPA quest of finding an IPA that I'm like, I want a six pack of that. That's what I'm looking for. Well, that's all we can ask for is that they might enjoy it a little um, <laughs> and that you're going to finish it, but. Definitely, definitely keep... Uh, yeah, that's not that all I can pack. ask for. I'm um, asking. I'm asking for an IPA that I want a six-pack of. More. That's what I can ask for. <laughs> so if you know an IPA that's not Fair super enough. bitter, but still has that like IPA punch, you know, that 7% that alcohol or whatever. That is one thing we do want, is if you, the listeners, have any suggestions for beer, uh, just send them our way, and we will. We sure will. Drink them on air. Which we don't, you know, we do out of the goodness of our heart. It's it's we're it's heroes. A struggle, but you we don't have to it. tell us. We're heroes. 
<laughs> but speaking of what we think about things, I want to hear what what I is your actual take on the mummy. <laughs> so do I. I I really it it hurt saying all those things hurt. It really did, and yeah, it has its flaws, but. I have never seen a I have very rarely seen chemistry between two characters like between O'Connell and Evie like their combined charismatic like just relationship just sucks you into the screen and you look past all plot holes you look past all bad CGI and you're just like I'm here I'm in this ride these two are great I want them to win yeah I, love I agree this. I think personally unpopular opinion indiana jones kind of sucks and the mummy's a way better adventure movie it's gotten i think there's a couple of them that hold up a little better than others like i think last crusade actually got better in my opinion Mm -hmm. in context of like the whole series like i like last crusade more than uh Mm -hmm. the original rage of the lost ark um as i've gotten older and i like Mm -hmm. raiders of the lost ark less but I'm with you. The Mummy is a great adventure flick. It's it's critically kind of like it's criticized really bad, and I kind of I see a lot of where they're coming from. But at the same time, it achieved exactly what it set out to do. It was fun. It was a romp. It was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And the one lie I think I told my criticisms. Most of my criticisms, I actually do believe those are faults of the movie. But the lie I told is that the pacing was bad. The pacing of that movie is excellent. It is a freight train. I never... No, I mean, that's the whole point of the movie. I mean, that's really like, Mm -hmm. if there are... Well, there are. (laughs) There are plot holes. I'm not saying if. There are plot holes. But the reason there (laughs) are plot holes is so that the pacing is still good. That story on its own, it's a great adventure. I would argue maybe the sequel was worth it, but other than that... No, like they didn't need any more. And it was a great story and it had great pace with a shorter length and it kept you entertained. And it did what like I will rage and rage against Michael Bay movies with my last breath. But his problem, in my opinion, has always been his pacing. He throws these huge robotic knockout, drag out robot battles at you and then just pumps the brakes for this (laughs) exposition Mm -hmm. dump. And, like, when I'm in a theater with that, I'm, like, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and then it slows down, and I'm, like, okay, I'm out. I'm I'm checked out now. And then the mm-hmm. next action scene hits, and I don't care. I'm done. I, like, have checked out of a movie. Mm-hmm. The Last Godzilla, I thought, did that, too. And The Mummy is a perfect example of a movie that doesn't do that. It, it kind of just gives you the little feeder tidbits of the history intermixed with this action sequences and this awesome relationship between the two main characters that mm-hmm. has fantastic yeah. you get what you need expedition wise but not so much that like you said like it feels like it's just getting dumped on your face mm-hmm. it yeah it's got definitely plenty of flaws i could have argued plenty of things <laughs> against it it's there's plenty oh, yeah. <laughs> like why didn't the magi just kill everybody if they really were <laughs> dedicated to this idea like kill everybody dude yeah. you guys because you can't kill brandon, brandon frazier he's got that dynamite <laughs> you can't kill brandon frazier he's, he's got that he's george one the stick jungle. Of dynamite you, you gotta shed no more blood tonight yeah mm. yeah but anyway exactly there you go folks hope you liked it that's our movie analysis segment of the show we're gonna do that every week so, Travis, why don't you explain what we're going to do next? Yeah, so I have a, uh ongoing poll, a daily poll of uh, actors versus actors um, on my Instagram account. T. Vermolum OG is my Instagram if you want to follow me. Um, and pretty much I just pit actors and actresses against each other. I rank them for seating positions just like any... 32 man bracket um my seating's based on a three tier criteria where each tier is worth more points in their final score so the first tier is 
um, range and depth of performances. Um, the second tier is sort of like uh, character acting, how well they can kind of solidify a certain character in your brain, how well they've done on like one front of a character. And the third is popularity. Because as much as we want to say like, oh, popularity doesn't matter, it does. And my brackets have shown that in a really big way. <laughs> but... Um, Sorry to interrupt you, but could you explain to us a little bit more about each of those tiers, how they work? When you say range, what do you mean? Yeah. Not everybody is an actor. Yes, true. Uh, just sort of how many different like characters that actor has portrayed and how well. Uh, so my number one seat for the men's side of this bracket this month was Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal has played everyone from a rundown cop to a cowboy in the mountains to, um, I think, his last role, which I didn't like the movie, but I liked his performance that I saw him in, was uh, Velvet hmm. Buzzsaw. He played an art critic who was like a major debutante. Um, and every role he's in, he does not come off as Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm mm -hmm. fully convinced that he is that character. Um, that to me is range and depth and performance. So the top five for me this month for the actors were Jake Gyllenhaal, Gary Oldman, Christian Bale, uh, four was Will Smith. And then the fifth one uh, I gave to, oh, there. and number five, I gave to Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, and then on the actress's side, the same thing, like you can make the same art. Helen Bonham Carter was my number one. Um, that's kind of what's going I've been doing on my, my segment. So every week I'll just kind of update y'all on that. Um, starting up again, Monday, I took the weekend off, but starting up again, Monday, we're going to have Linda Cardellini, uh, who you might recognize as Velma from Scooby-Doo, the live action, but Travis's she's celebrity a fantastic crush. actress. Uh, I do have a celebrity crush on her for sure. Uh, she also plays like Hawkeye's wife in the Marvel movies. She was in Brokeback Mountain. Uh, she was in Legally Blonde. Um, Green Book recently, which uh, Simple Favor. She's been in quite a lot of stuff, and I, I've heard her Netflix series, uh, Dead to Me, mm -hmm. is also quite good, but I haven't watched it yet. Um, she'll be going up against um, Tessa Thompson, and Tessa Thompson is another Marvel actor that you probably recognize as Valkyrie in the Marvel movies. She also is in Creed, which is really good. She plays Bianca, kind of uh, Apollo's son's like girlfriend, uh, fiance. She's, she's newer. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's not very good, good when, uh, um, sorry, that the first actress's name, your celebrity crush. I forget. Cardellini. When you have to say Linda you Cardellini. know her as Velma <laughs> in the live action Scooby Doo, like if that's like the most hey, notable I role will... you have, and I know it's not, I know she's been in a lot of things, but that's I... like the most like popular role, and yeah. this is why popular is your third level of selection, right, and why it matters, because it's like yeah, maybe you've been in like matter. ninety indie films, but guess who's seen indie films? people who make films or people who are film nerds and that's it i will die by <laughs> scooby-doo though let me just how make can that you note. even say that <laughs> like i will i will criticize any movie with a fine-tooth comb but scooby-doo right. has a special place in my heart because it was it was just what it needed to be it was like they made scooby-doo for adults i'm calling you out i'm calling you out on this i'm cutting you like, off because the... this is not the place for that rant Why? that you're about to embark on. I'm calling okay. you out. Okay. Okay. Scooby Doo. You're right. That's what we're debating next week. <laughs> That's our yeah, next. Yeah, you don't get to choose <laughs> if you want if you get to defend action. it or not. All right. Well, I hope I do get to defend it because I kind of hope I don't because I think it's trash. special place in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Spoiler alert, usually we reveal how we actually feel about the movie afterwards, but next week, if you're listening to this, you already know. Okay.
So, Travis, what's going down? Who's in these brackets coming up? All right. So, coming up on the men's side, we have in order. Um, it's the last round before the quarterfinals. We got Kurt Russell and Will Smith. Hmm. Okay. I'm going with uh, Will Smith on that one. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I was surprised, though. Don't count Kurt out because he beat John Krasinski. Yeah, that's true. Especially considering the other upsets in your bracket. Um, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. No, not Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, your favorite actor, Jake Gyllenhaal. One of, one of my favorites, Jake Gyllenhaal lost to The Rock. That's the other. <laughs> that's I do... I I do like Kurt Russell, and I think him and Will Smith, in my opinion, are about the same in quality. They're pretty much... I think Will's a little more range. That's why he has the number four spot, and Kurt has the seven. Sure. But, I don't know. I have kind of always thought Will Smith's a little overrated. Uh, I like him. He's entertaining, but he just plays the same guy a lot, in my opinion. True. True. And Kurt... Kurt is just the new John Wayne, and I think. Yeah, him or I don't know, maybe Tommy Lee Jones. Ah, I like Tommy though. I think Tommy has some depth. Tommy has some. To range. Tommy has lots of range. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that, but he's also like, I don't know. When I think of like stoic Western man, now I think of Tommy Lee Jones. That's very true. He has done very well in those roles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess you're right. Kurt Kurt doesn't have that going for him as much. He's just like kind of the the gruff, tough action hero, standard bravado, macho actor kind. Mm -hmm. I like him, he's a, but I don't think he has a ton of range. But no, I'll he's... agree with you, uh, Will Smith. Yeah, because Will Smith is pretty similar. Like he's usually the action hero. Or just the hero in general. But, I mean, he also did The Fresh Prince. And, mm -hmm. like, he's also, like, a professional hip-hop performer back in the day. You know, I mean, he was The Fresh Prince. And then he played The Fresh Prince. And then he took off as an actor. And he's been he's been in lots of different roles. But, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like he... I don't know. I don't think he always transforms into somebody else. He's often mm -hmm. Will Smith as whatever yeah you don't i mean like we talked about earlier with gary oldman and jake gyllenhaal you don't ever like forget who you're watching when you watch him right right mm -hmm. absolutely speaking of forgetting who you're watching the next round is christian bale and chris evans and christian bale is right there with gary and jake you just he's one of the best yeah absolutely I mean, Christian Bale's pretty much, like, unquestionably good, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's uh, one of the most dedicated actors, especially to the physical physical aspects of uh, acting. I mean, he's been—he he got a lot of press for, like, how much weight he lost for uh, The Machinist. And then he, like, mm -hmm. went, and played, went and played Batman after that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like— it's an insane amount of muscle that that guy muscle and fat and just everything insane amount yeah, of then, body then after batman i think he did um the 70s one. Oh man um american the, hustle and he was like super ballooned for that but he yeah. also did the fighter i, I was just gonna that. say then he did the fighter <laughs> he was like a meth head yeah and then he played dick cheney <laughs> right. like, the man is transformative so i gotta give it to him but i do want to say i don't i think chris evans is underrated uh i think he's we've talked about him having before having the brad pitt syndrome he's mm -hmm. like he is a pretty he kind of is a pretty boy played captain america people were like yeah we're just gonna cast you as that as the pretty boy you know, role, but like he's been in Sunshine, Snowpiercer, uh, Gifted. He's done a lot of really like powerfully emotional roles, and I feel like he doesn't get recognized enough for it, but he's still not Christian Bale. 
I don't think he's... I, it's not even fair to say he's not recognized for those roles, because he, he is. They're all big roles. But you aren't going to be recognized for those when you could also be recognized as Captain America. True. True. Snowpiercer and Gifted were definitely mainstream. I don't think there's a lot of people I know who've seen Sunshine. That was some. That was early Boyle. Right. I haven't Word. seen it. Oh, you haven't? Yeah. No. I would. I, I highly suggest Sunshine. That's a great Chris Evans. Um, the lead is Cillian Murphy. Oh, cool! I love Cillian. Yeah, it's about a space crew that has to go. Like, I don't think the science makes sense at all. I don't know. I'm not a science guy, but I've been told it's really. <laughs> I've been told it's a really dumb scientific concept, but they have to go, like, shoot a giant nuke into the sun to, like, reignite it. Nice. Because it's, like, dying and we're freezing to death. So they're, like, the space crew. It's very... I really like it. It's a great Danny Boyle movie. Cool. It sounds like an Asimov story. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Like that old sci-fi before they really cared about science as much. We didn't know mm-hmm. as much about space yet. So they could kind of like... They definitely make cared up. about science, but... Yeah, they made up some cool concepts and stuff too, though. That they weren't as... I feel like they weren't as afraid to be, like, proven wrong. Oh, absolutely like, not. Like, uh, nobody's gonna put Martians on Mars ever again. No. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, we, we know there's no cities there. Stop putting yeah. cities there. It's- there's going to be some guy in the publishing. Well, uh, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, actually. There there can't be cities on. Okay, we get it. Yeah. I feel like science fiction novels have kind of taken, or stories in general, have taken almost like a, a lot of them have kind of like taken this action adventure, like fantasy turn. Where they're kind of just like these epic fantasy stories, but in a sci-fi world. I agree. That that's uh, actually uh, that's been something I've thought about for a while because that was something Doctor Parrot always harped on. But we are way off base. We are. We are way <laughs> off base. Chris Evans, Christian Bale. We're both taking Christian Bale. I'm assuming Christian Bale all the way because he's also right. got that superhero fame, but then he's also got a lot of big roles that he is also recognized for. Yeah, yeah. Like the fighter um, was a huge role. All right. Uh, last on the men's side for the last round before quarterfinals. Got an easy one for you. Real easy one. Samuel L. Jackson and Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Is that even I, a question? Yeah. Italian, <laughs> Italian job, bro. Let the record show that Clay is definitely joking. Um, Samuel L. Jackson, obviously. Samuel L. Jackson. I do. <laughs> I am entertained. I'm entertained by Statham. I mean, I love Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. I love Snatch, but he just plays Jason Statham. Yeah, he does his job. He does his job. He's angry British guy that can punch well. Yeah, is he? Is he British? Oh, yeah, dude. Super British. Okay. I don't know why. I, I thought he was from, like, Australia or something. No, no. He's super British. He doesn't sound Australian, so that makes sense. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all. He's got the Aussie. Maybe, maybe he's got that, like, fighting Aussie attitude. He's, he's got that grizzled outback, outback, uh, yeah, outback scorched visit, visage, can... you know? I, I could I see him see wandering the deserts of the outback and, and fist fighting kangaroos. I think he would, honestly. I think he does. I think we just wrote Jason Statham's next movie. <laughs> you want to learn how to kick? Don't look any further than nature, boy. I think he's going to be on vacation with his family, and kangaroos are going <laughs> to steal his family. Yeah. Or and kill he's going to... Yeah, they're gonna they kill, his kill his family. And he has to. He has to go kill the the king kangaroo with his karate skills. Yeah, a kangaroo with a big scar. I'd drop eight bucks to watch that. <laughs> Sci-Fi Channel, baby. Here we come. Yeah. You hear that, Sci-Fi I'd Channel? Go, I'd go in theaters. I'd take a date to that. I mean, if you can't take the date to that, then should she be a date at all? 
I don't think so. I don't think so. And here's my opinion. Bad movies need to exist for us to take people on dates to them because I don't want to go to like Dunkirk with a girl. Yeah. I want to watch Dunkirk. I don't want to care about the date when I'm there. That's true. Not with not for the first date. No. That's for sure. That's why we need we need Jason Statham punching kangaroos. We do. He's a vital service of <laughs> vital service to the film industry and the entertainment industry. I take my vote back. I vote for Jason Statham again. <laughs> only only this right. time I mean it. I will too. I will too. I'll vote for Jason Statham. He's not gonna win, but yeah. Go Jason. Go Jason. Yeah. You get him, bud. Okay. Now the last the three for the women's side. We got uh, uh Mia Wasikowska and Zoe Saldana. Um, lesser known, uh, Mia Wasikowska, she was in Stoker. She plays Alice in the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland movies that were super weird. Yeah. Um, she's a good actress. She's very new. Uh, I think she's going to take off big, in my, I think. Uh, I think she's on the way there, but I don't know. She doesn't have anything super big under her belt yet. She was in Crimson Peak was another good one, and the kids are all right. Um, but Zoe Saldana, on the other hand, is from Star Trek. Um, she's from um, Avatar, big movie. And she was in the Avengers. She's Gamora. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I w- I guess I'd vote for her because I actually know who she is. And I vote for Zoe Saldana because coolest fact about her. And I guess I can't call it definitively a fact because you can't trust anything on the internet. But what I've read is that she got her part in Star Trek because she knows Klingon like fluently. She like went to her audition. And spoke Klingon, and they were like, "Yeah, you're a horror. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you have to be." So, like, did she just walk in and introduce herself in Klingon? That would be that would be a baller move. That would be a very baller move. I doubt that's how it happened. From what I know, they asked like if there were any any like other skills or anything else she could like bring to the table, <laughs> and she not nonchalantly was like, "Yeah, I know Klingon fluently," and they were like, "Oh." And can you show us? And she just like did a full paragraph of Klingon. And they were like, Yeah, you definitely, you're a horror. Awesome. I vote for her. That's so, dope. Yeah, I vote, vote for her. Um, all right. Next up, we got Emma Stone and Gal Gadot. Emma Stone. I agree. Emma Stone. I only know Gal Gadot from Wonder Woman. Emma Stone's in like yeah, a ton of in, things. She was in Fast and Furious. Like I said, um, <laughs> same. <Gal Gadot>. <laughs> <laughs> same movie to me. No offense, Galga, you're yeah. you're doing great. Not hating on. Oh her. yeah, killer, killer girl. Uh, oh yeah, I didn't watch Death on the Nile. That's because it's not not out yet. Never mind. Um, but that's coming out. It looks good. She's one of the one of the. Oh, she is uh in. The adaptation of Cleopatra's story. Mm. She's playing Cleopatra. That should be interesting. Okay. Anyway, Emma Stone. I'm going with her too. She's a great actress. Super Bad was her like debut, and that was a killer comedy. Yep. Um. All right, and then our last match for the women is uh, Linda Cardellini and Tessa Thompson. I know about your girl, Linda. Uh huh. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but in so much more than that, Green Book. Uh, uh, she was in the Avengers. She is um, Hawkeye's wife. Mm-hmm. Brokeback Mountain. Legally Blonde. But then you got Tessa Thompson, who was also in the Avengers, <laughs> and she also. But as yeah, like so a main character. Yeah, she is um, uh, Valkyrie. Right. And then she's in. Dear White People, uh, Creed, mm-hmm. and the movie Thank You for, or Sorry, Sorry to Bother yeah. You, which mm-hmm. I highly suggest to everybody. So I, I, I'm i voting her. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, me too. I really enjoy her work in Creed. Uh, she plays a really complex character um, who kind of, I don't know, I thought was like a definite opposition to Rocky. Like Rocky's wife, Adrian, like lover, great character, memorable as all heck, but kind of just like bland, kind of cookie cutter. So that in the Creed movies, they've really made his like love interest way more of like a powerhouse in the story like an actual like forefront figure Mm -hmm. who challenges him and like actually has a a lot of depth right Mm -hmm. yeah i don't feel like adrian really did that i don't think she's memorable i don't remember anything about her you remember her name well that's only because rocky screams it (laughs) (laughs) that's the only reason fair you will never not remember her name. but anyway yep Let's move on. What? Who's left? Okay. That's, That's it. it. All right, everybody. Go over to uh, Travis's Instagram. Travis. At T. Vermullum. All small K. All small case. OG. Still small case on Instagram. At T. Vermullum OG. All small Boom. case. And uh, you can also check out Clay Vermullum Fiction on Instagram while you're there. Give us a follow. And uh, we'll be doing this every week as well as releasing weekly episodes of Cryptid Tidbits, which is uh, creature articles. And then at the end of every month, we're going to be reading some work from an independent author, self-published author, or a just lesser known fully published author. Or uh, we're also considering the possibility of reaching out to some independent filmmakers. And talking about their films, mm. since we do a lot of film and book talk on here. Um, oh, Travis, yeah. is there anything else you want to say before we sign off our first episode? No, just uh, would love to uh, have some more people voting on the polls and have some more people supporting uh, the work. So, yeah. Yeah. Feel free to chime off in the comments. Let us know what you think. Connect with us on social media. And... We look forward to seeing you next week on Sinister Soup.